0: You're listening to KSQD Santa Cruz at 90.7 FM. My name is Nick and I'm an intern at Your Futures in Our Business, a Santa Cruz County nonprofit which helps students ages 10 to 18 explore careers and start their career journey. We provide career expos, panels, guest speakers, and more activities to help youth explore careers. Today I'm here with my other host, Melina.
1: Hey everyone, our show What to Be highlights the career journeys of inspirational people in Santa Cruz County. If you've ever thought, hmm, How did they get that job, or what is that job really like? Then keep on listening. We
0: would like to remind listeners that the opinions expressed by today's guests do not necessarily reflect this career in its
2: entirety.
1: Today we're joined by Suk Singh, who is the CEO of Code Naturally. Can you tell us what your career entails?
2: Sure. So as you said, I'm the CEO of Code Naturally on a day-to-day basis. Uh, a lot of my work is, is delegating and creating work for other teammates to carry out. A lot of it is actually interacting with our customers, which is, which is students. Mm-hmm. And so it's working with students, it's learning what their needs are and trying to understand what motivates them. So that mm-hmm. way we can create curriculum and an application that appeals specifically, mm-hmm. you know, to the group that we're targeting, which is 3rd to 8th graders. Okay.
1: And what is Code Naturally?
2: So Code Naturally is a Santa Cruz-based startup. We've been here for over three years. We have developed a curriculum and an application pretty much hand-in-hand hand with students and schools for the last three years. And we've applied what's called like the, the lean methodology to developing the app and curriculum. And what, essentially, is, what is that? Essentially, it just means that uh, you do a lot of testing. That like you you build a minimum viable product, which is just like something that works, that does the core... You know, that's the core value that you're trying to present Mm -hmm. to your customer, and you take that to them. You put it in their hands, and you see how they react to it, and you listen to them, and then you kind of go back to the drawing board. You figure out what you can adjust to make it better, and then you release a new iteration as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. And so, for our first year that we were that we were working with schools and kids, we didn't charge anybody a penny because we knew Mm -hmm. our software and curriculum were pretty bad, but (laughs) uh, we knew that like through Mm -hmm. working with everybody that we could we could learn enough to to Mm -hmm. make it much better. Exactly. And so that's essentially kind of how we've gotten here mm-hmm. is by slowly uh, listening to our customers, making our product better, and releasing new iterations. Mm-hmm. And schools are now trying, or they're now implementing it in the classroom. Now- yeah. So uh, this year we have, I believe, close to six. Yeah, I believe it's six different schools in Santa Cruz County, uh, from Pajaro all the way up to Scotts Valley, where teachers are independently teaching with our software, where it's teachers that have never taught computer science before, okay. teachers that come from a social science or English background. And so originally when we started, we thought that our app and our curriculum would fit really well into a math classroom because uh, a lot of the concepts that students are applying fit directly along with common core math for third to eighth grade. But what we found when we started approaching math teachers is that often they were too busy. They had a lot on their plates already, and they couldn't really make time for coding. Uh, but there were a lot of social science teachers that were really interested in this idea of empathy, this idea of growth mindset, this idea of being like an empathetic learner. And so they took on the challenge of learning to code themselves, and they kind of learned to code with their students. And we've actually found that to be kind of the best way forward because mm-hmm. then students see their teachers fail the teachers developing a portfolio along with their students they you know everyone's at the table students are getting to teach their uh, you know getting to teach their teachers everyone's kind of getting to go at their own pace mm-hmm. and that's okay and so ever since we've seen you know we, we, we've really seen that trend kind of developing as of last year in 2018 uh, and since we've decided that we should really be serving that group and that population because they are so motivated and they are so excited um, and-
1: third to eighth grade range right
2: Third to eighth grade, specifically social science, English, or history teachers. Okay. So teachers that have never programmed before. Okay. Uh, and that's mainly just so, yeah, like students can see their teachers fail. And so it can pull in those students that have a lot of reservations about math, programming, or engineering. When they see like a history or an English or a social science teacher, they can see themselves in that teacher.
0: Yeah. They right, can see themselves
2: right. being like, you know, I wasn't sure about this, but they weren't really sure about mm-hmm. this either. And I think that gives a lot of those kids buy-in where they they might not have had it if it was like, let's say, a math teacher teaching it. Where, you know, they might not even mm-hmm. register for the class because yeah. like, oh, I so hate I, his well, algebra I'm not, class. I'm not
1: good at math. I can't do this. Yeah.
2: Exactly. He's- And so you
1: provide coding, software, and curriculum to teachers and schools, right? And they teach it to their students? Exactly. Right, okay. And then what kind of coding and software do you bring?
2: Like how complex is it? Yeah. Sure. So we provide students a web application that essentially means that it's used through a browser. When we originally started developing, we had made like a, a Windows-specific application. But then when we started working with schools, we realized that they don't all have Windows. everyone has Chromebooks. Like <laughs> oh. everyone is like yeah. one-to-one on Chromebooks, pretty much. Mm-hmm. And so we, re- we redeveloped the application kind of around the Chromebooks and around tools that schools and teachers already had. And so each student has their own portfolio where they can kind of build their own projects. And so each student can program in JavaScript. They can learn at their own pace. They can make as many projects as they want. There's a beginner and like an advanced version where they can kind of like get their bearings and then move into advanced and start making little applications, games, animations, comics. Like they make really cool stuff in advance. And so that's like the main, that's the main software that we give to students. And then we have a whole series of lessons broken up over five levels that we give to school or that we give to teachers to distribute to students how they want. And so, Mm. like, you know, teachers essentially print out worksheets or print out uh, project breakdowns as they need to. Mm. And so when we originally started, we never assumed that we would be the people that would create that kind of material. We originally thought that we would kind of just create, like, a platform where students could be creative and make stuff. But as we started working with kids, we realized, like, if... If we created that material hand in hand with them, like it could make sense specifically for them, mm-hmm. and so it's been great to be able to build worksheets and build uh, project outlines, and then actually just hand it to a student and see how they react to it and how mm-hmm. they like—they're so blunt, like they'll just tell you this sucks, this doesn't make any sense, <laughs> and you're like, okay, cool, That's like good feedback. Though. It's perfect feedback, yeah, and so you can go back and actually, you know, actually change it. And teachers really seem to benefit from that. A lot of our teachers, uh, you know, make it a point to tell us that they can see that this has been tested before. That, like, they can see that this already works with their students because when their kids get it, they can start using it instantly. And so that curriculum is provided currently digitally. But for the 2019-2020 school year, we're actually publishing a workbook. Oh. Yeah. And so that's been our big project. We A few of our schools are already using the workbook and, like, a prototype. And they've given us really good feedback. But the idea is to like make the class as similar to teaching a social studies history or any class as oh. possible. I think a lot of, uh, a lot of education technology and a lot of these big startups try to reinvent how people do things. And mm. like, you know, we, we forget how great teachers already are at teaching. Yeah. They already Trevor. like, they're the experts at that specifically. Yeah. And so. If we can build computer science curriculum in a way that they're used to getting curriculum and in a way where they're used to structuring a class that way, it removes that burden from them. And mm-hmm. so originally in our first year and a half, we, we, we tried to do that. We tried to rebuild the wheel. And some oh. teachers bought in and some teachers were willing to do it. But we realized how much strain we were putting on them mm-hmm. and how difficult that is when you have like five or six classes to mm-hmm. teach. Mm -hmm. And so we've kind of switched our perspective and really now the curriculum is supposed to be as similar to teaching any other class Mm -hmm. where it's broken down. You have your standard alignment. You have Mm -hmm. something that you can do each day. Mm -hmm. There are reflections that students can do. There's a rubric to grade. Students can be working at different levels but be graded in like some kind of equitable manner. Mm -hmm. Uh, Students can actually do presentations just like they would in history where they do put together a Google slide where they're explaining Mm -hmm. like all of the context behind where they got their project idea, why they pursued it what concepts okay. they use okay. you know and so all of that was stuff that we didn't realize that we were going to have to do until we yeah. saw teachers struggling in the classroom and then it was just thanks to them being super honest where they were like yeah like all of this is really hard for me because of reason x y and z yeah and so you kind of
1: evolved <laughs> to incorporate their uh, opinions and their suggestions
0: you wanted really? to work with them not yeah. like stress them out more have yeah. them put more on their plate you wanted to kind yeah. of integrate it fluidly in the classroom
2: exactly i mean like i think when you talk about innovation it's always about like how like how something can be so new and so different but if you think about like all of our like favorite innovations it's like they fit into our life in a way where it's like seamless yeah. simple exactly like you know a touchscreen phone is so easy to use mm. it's just like or like an, an yeah. ipad is so simple when you yeah. pick it up it's like a lot of the other things that you already do just and, a
1: little bit touch of new right mm-hmm.
2: and so like that's the tweak that we want to provide for teachers we think We are super confident that any teacher can teach their class how to program because Mm -hmm. they can learn it along with them. And a lot of it is about failure. A lot of it is about Mm -hmm. making mistakes. And like, I have yet to meet a teacher that's not creative. And so any of them can really like build fantastic portfolios. I wish Mm -hmm. your viewers could actually see the portfolios these teachers make because their projects are pretty hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm curious
1: too. So for those who are just tuning in, you're listening to What To Be on KSQD. 90.7 90.7 FM Santa Cruz. I'm Melina and I'm joined by our other host, Nick. We're speaking with Suk Singh, who is the CEO of Code Naturally. And he was just telling us about the Code Naturally program curriculum and how mostly like third to eighth grader students and social science, English teachers, they enjoy that more than the math teachers, right? And also the um, you're about to get into the challenges and the failures, right? Can you tell us more about that? Sure, oh, yeah. also, how did you come up with this concept, and what kind of...
2: What was the drive behind yeah. it? Yeah. Sure. Uh, so, the drive behind it was, uh, I never actually got to see computer science or programming when I was in high school or middle school. I was always really into computers. I was really into hardware stuff. Mm. Um, I was, like, the person that would go and fix my friend's computers when they were broken, mainly oh. just with antiviruses, right? It was oh. the yeah, simplest yeah. thing. Yeah. Uh, but, um but I I never knew that there was such a, a such thing as programming. It just like I never connected the dots. And when I got to college and I took my first class, I failed miserably. And wow. it was the first time that i had like failed a class so handedly and What uh,
1: class
2: was it? Did it was it was just the first C S twelve A. Intro? A, yeah. I mean like there was one easier class that I could have taken and oh. I probably should have. My overconfidence really <laughs> shot me in the foot. Um, But I failed that class and a lot of it was just because I, ha- I hadn't seen it before and the way that I approached it I kept thinking of it as solving a problem and I didn't think of it as communicating which is a lot more oh. of like what you're doing when you're programming is you're communicating your intentions through a really formulated language right mm. like if you were if you had a friend who was drawing on the board for you you could just be like hey draw a red square on the board, and they would mm-hmm. probably get somewhere close to what you wanted. No. A computer's really stupid, so you have to get like <laughs> yeah. really specific and be like, I need you to draw... Four
1: by four. Exactly,
2: like at this specific this point. Yeah. And so like, that's, um, that's something that I didn't understand when I took that class. And so mm-hmm. afterwards, I, I thought that if students could have that experience at a younger age, that things would be different for them. I, all that I really wanted them to understand was that programming is communicating and not problem solving. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't have to think about it as mm-hmm. math. You don't have to, you know. It's, it really is a separation. I think student, like, even when kids tell me, like, "Oh, I hate math. Math is stupid." Yeah, I can't it's do like
1: programming of
2: that. No. they don't hate math. They hate they hate calculating, which is uh, fair. Like which, no yeah. one no one likes calculating, right? But the computer does that. Exactly. They're just telling it to do that. Exactly, uh, which is like, the coolest thing about programming so you're just is
1: communicating that if, to the machine, and that machine communicates to the people,
2: right? Exactly. Like students generally tend to be like somewhat good at doing proofs, and they can understand how formulas work. Yeah, a student can tell you how to get the area of a rectangle generally speaking they might get the problem wrong but the thing is that mm-hmm. with a computer they can program the computer to do each of those steps yeah they can and do all the
1: hard parts right
2: exactly yeah. and the computer can do the easy parts and i think like it's so easy for our students to feel stupid because mm-hmm. they do a calculation wrong like it just you feel so dumb when you get something that you think is simple yeah. right even right. if you followed all the right steps if you forgot to carry one of the numbers yeah. if you you know what i'm saying anything simple and like at the end of it like you're not going to feel that you worked really hard. You're going to feel yeah. that you're wrong or that because you're Because you don't have a
1: no solution, but you went through a whole big process, right?
2: Exactly. You know, And which is like, you know, mathematics doesn't highlight that enough. And I think Common Core is a big push to make that more possible to really focus on that process. Yeah. Um, but yeah, with, with programming, like they can literally do that. They can give mm-hmm. their computer each of the step-by-step instructions and it can just carry it out for them. Mm-hmm. And that's so much more important to me that a student knows how to do that. Yeah. That they can understand how to break something, you know, break an idea down into its steps. And then communicate that to something else.
1: So how did you come up with Code Naturally? What was your first step?
2: Oh, the original idea. You just create,
1: like, a whole organization, right? Yeah, yeah.
2: So the original idea was, like, way stupider than what we have now. It was a a Windows Surface application. And uh, the idea was that the reason that it's called Code Naturally is that uh, we were going to make an app where students could handwrite code. (laughs) And the app would convert the code to text and then run it. So that way, like... You know, like, okay. yeah. the idea was that, like, uh, there's a ton of research that shows that writing by hand um, helps to... Like with memory and all exactly.
1: that. Exactly, like helps you with your
2: memory, faster. you learn way faster, you retain okay. more. Yeah, Muscle not... memory, you slow yeah. down, right? That's right. the main yeah. thing that it's providing for you, that you slow down. And so we thought that, like, if students could...
1: Handwrite it out. Exactly. Out. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: It was a really, like, dumb hypothesis, right? But, like, we, we spoke to researchers, like, around the world, and they're like, they they, they did and, agree. I, They were like handwriting could help. Like you should totally, you know, like it it could help. And so we thought that would be the perfect (laughs) thing for like first graders to third graders. Mm -hmm. We were thinking way younger age range, like kids that aren't typing yet, you know.
0: And then that. And so,
2: well, no, I mean, like we we built the app. So we actually we entered that into a business design competition, and we got like third place and won two thousand dollars in that competition. And we used all of that money to incorporate. Which was the stupidest thing we could have done. Because <laughs> and
1: by incorporate, you mean like turning yourself into an official.
2: Official corporation. corporation yeah, right. yeah. We did that in July of 2015. And, uh, instantly it meant that we had to start paying taxes, even oh, though great. we. We had no profits, right? We had, we had no revenue profits. Right. Like, you know, we weren't, we had nothing to sell. We were just, we just had something on <laughs> had paper, a, right? Yeah, concept and app. And so, um, we, we built out that app and, uh, we had a mentor that worked at Microsoft. And so, we got to borrow 10 Windows surfaces to, to do testing with the app. And Alfie, my CTO, actually, like, got it to work. He, like, got it where you could, like, handwrite your text. <laughs> you could handwrite. It would convert it to text, and then it would run it, and it would all work. You but know? you would
1: have to know what to write down, right?
2: Yeah, of course. That'd it was, like, was really so... basic commands. Okay. And so we had those, like, outlined already. Okay. And so those were all, the, all of those existed within another programming language that we were using called mm-hmm. processing, mm-hmm. which is, like, within Java or JavaScript, right? And so... Uh, that already existed. It was just really like getting it to the handwriting to text and then to mm-hmm. to you know to to run it all, yeah. And uh, it it worked perfectly for the most part. Kind of get you know, obviously it was an MVP, uh, but we 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 took it to Bransforday Middle School because at that time I was volunteering as an avid tutor uh, mm-hmm. with Kathy Sandage. Um, she was uh, short a few avid tutors at the time, and we had met. And I offered to volunteer. And as she learned more about what we did, she invited us to come work with her students. Mm. And so at lunch, I brought all 10 of the surfaces. Kids would stay in at lunch, and they would, like, come and test with us. And they were just, like, brutally honest. They already had, like (laughs) – we already had a relationship because I had been tutoring them for about a month or two. So they were pretty comfortable. comfortable. Yeah, Yeah, they had no reason to be shy. And they were like, this sucks. Like, there were so many (laughs) things that they were like, I hate how slow this is, but – they liked programming. Like, they liked being able to yeah. make stuff with a couple lines of code. Like, that was of interest to them. And it was the first time that, like, the majority of them were doing it. And so they were like, this is, you know, they, they, they Yeah, exactly. Right. But they, they, they liked it enough. Yeah. But most of them preferred typing over writing. Yeah. They were like, yeah. I hate handwriting. Like, and how long type... ago was this? That was 2016.
1: Okay, well, so it wasn't too long. Oh, no. Everyone's kind of moving towards
2: the digital age at that point, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. They all know. They all, yeah, They want to type, yeah. They want to yeah, use it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they were already used to it. And yeah. so uh, we got an article, I think, on City on a Hill in Santa Cruz Tech Beat at that time. And then um, Brooknoll Elementary reached out to us, uh, and we started going to Kathy Peterson's class. Two Kathy's, both fantastic people. <laughs> um and we started working with her elementary class. Mm. It was a class of fourth graders. And so we were able to go in every day for 20 weeks, I think, just about. Wow. And we would go in every week. And that's when I started realizing mm. that I had to create curriculum. Because wow. I had to go in every day. And these kids were learning so much faster than I could have ever anticipated. Wow. Like, they learned. So yeah, like, it was insane. Like wow. I, I, Originally, when we first started doing testing, I thought I had five weeks of curriculum that I had written. And like, it looked like it would have been fine. And those kids crushed all of that within, I think, like five to seven days. Wow. That's wow. Awesome. And so, like, every night that I had to go back, I was literally at home putting together the next lesson for them. And that led to, like, our first set of, like, you know, uh, worksheets and project outlines and all of that stuff it was really just because I had to do it for those kids. Yeah. And they were really demanding. And so, you know, <laughs> wasn't really going to be able to say no. But as we started doing testing there, um, We released a web application instead of, like, a Surface application on, like, our second iteration. Mm -hmm. And we made it optional, so you could write or type. And uh, as we started doing testing at Brook Knoll, the other 20 students, because we only had 10 Surfaces, the other 20 students just started getting the URL and just going on their Chromebooks (laughs) and just started programming, like, on their own because, like, they didn't care about the handwriting. They cared about just being able to make stuff. Yeah. And that right. was like their main concern. They're like, how am I going to go do that? Because that's all I care about. And so as more and more of them started doing that, we just started kind of phasing out handwriting yeah. and started focusing on like, how can we how can we allow them to continue learning through their creativity? Like, how can we get them to like have mm-hmm. ideas and then teach them stuff based on those ideas? Like, how can we get them to want to do something? And then teach it to them afterwards. Because it's like, <laughs> that's so much easier. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's like, just true. like a motivation kind of like you know like, if i can show you how cool this really can be like you you're going to be so pumped yeah. and so we, we realized that like despite giving them small examples we could we could do that whether it was an example of an animation or a paint project if we showed them that it was possible there was going to be buying and they, they were wanted inspired to do that it, yeah. did they exactly kind of drive the curriculum at all they entirely drove the curriculum it was so much of like i want to know how to do this and it was like okay let me go figure out exactly how the i can communicate to that it. to right. you in words that you're going to understand
0: yeah did you have any, like, teaching background or anything prior to that?
2: Yeah, uh, so I was an avid tutor my my freshman and sophomore year when I was a student at UC Santa Cruz. And then all through high school, I, I tutored all of my friends in math or in English. Um, yeah, I've always been really passionate about, about teaching and education in general. And
1: what was your major in college?
2: Uh, I, I, I hopped around a lot. Okay. Uh, but I ended as a technology information management major.
1: Okay. Okay. And then for those who are just tuning in, you're listening to What To Be on KSQD 90.7 FM, Santa Cruz. I'm Melina, and I'm joined by other hosts, Nick. Today, you're speaking with Suk Singh, who is the CEO of Code Naturally, which teaches young children how to code, program, build software, right? And you're just talking about your education and how you jumped around different majors, right?
2: Yep. Uh, so, yeah, I, I started as a, I came into college as an applied physics major. I didn't like that at all, and I switched to biochemistry and molecular Mm -hmm. bio, and I liked that a lot more. That was really interesting. But then I took, like, one startup class under technology information management, and it just got me super excited. Like, the idea of putting together a business model, the idea of putting together an idea and getting support behind it, and, like, Mm -hmm. raising funding, like, all of it just seemed so cool. And so I completely Mm -hmm. jumped ship. And luckily, it was super easy for me. I finished a lot of my general eds uh, while I was in high school. Mm-hmm. And so I had a lot of flexibility while I was at UC Santa Cruz. Very cool. That's
1: smart. That's what I did, too.
2: <laughs> well, it saves you some time and money. Yeah. It does. It really does. Um, were you all
0: alone creating this company? Or? No,
2: absolutely not. Uh, so the entire time, uh, I've had my CTO, uh, Alfred Young, with me. And he's the he's the guy behind the application. He he's learned and built the entire application, and has a and, and has had a hand in every iteration we've released. And so like, it's amazing to see even like to see how much he's developed as a as a programmer and how easy it is for us to be able to do things that were impossible before. Where yeah. it was like you know we might have wanted a feature maybe even a year ago and that would have been almost impossible. And you know as technology moves and as Alfie becomes a more like prolific programmer. Uh, it just becomes possible, and it becomes yeah. so much easier, and it's so cool for me to be able to really almost just ask for features, and it's like, oh yeah, we could do that. It's like, oh sweet, Don't worry, you know. Whereas like you know, a year or two ago, it was like, it felt like you know, like you were walking on glass a little bit because it's like, mm-hmm. oh, as soon as I ask for something, that's going to be forty to a hundred hours of work for somebody, right? <laughs> you know, and so it's like you would be kind of careful because I, you know, when I started, I definitely made that mistake where I asked for features because I thought they would be cool or because yeah. the kids um, really pushed for it, but you know. How, Without, do you,
1: how do you think through what you need versus
2: what is cool? Uh, well, if there has to be a job that that feature does. There has to be something specific that it's going to enable for the students. And so if the feature isn't started with that, if the feature hasn't thought about how our students going to use it and what is this going to enable them to, to do and why is that important, if it can't answer those three things, we definitely don't need it. Mm -hmm. And so, like, before I get excited about anything, I have to kind of put myself through that test Mm -hmm. where it's like, you know, this might sound great, but how is this going to work? And how is this going to work within the rest of the features that we have? Mm -hmm. Uh, Even like, you know, you can totally make an app just have way too many features and Mm -hmm. that can just make it a horrible experience, right? Yeah. And so sometimes even thinking about, like, if I want to add a feature, what feature am I willing to let go? Yeah. You know, and so really constraining yourself creatively to really focus in on, like, well, what's the goal here for them? It's for them to express themselves creatively. Is this feeding into that main goal? Oh, it's um, not? Well, then, you know. So keeping that
1: end goal in mind when you're creating it versus just making things because they're cool. Exactly, (laughs) yeah. Yeah.
2: Which, I mean, it's it's tempting. And I mean, like especially when you're working with kids. Like, I spend... I would say at least 15 to 20 hours every week with students that are between third to eighth grade that I've known that I've seen grow up for the last three years. So they are like very comfortable in making their demands. But these are also kids that have been programming for three years. If I build features and I build software for those kids, it's going to make it's so much less interesting and less appealing to those students that are just starting. Mm -hmm. And so for us, it's so much more important to focus on that first mile experience. What's it going to be like as you're just starting to program? Mm -hmm. What allowed our other students to be successful? Uh, And so like some things that we've seen is that like when students can make about eight projects within their first week, then generally speaking, they'll continue to go on to make significantly more, Mm -hmm. right? If they can successfully write their first (laughs) couple lines of code within like five-ish minutes, uh if they can learn how to copy and paste. Mm -hmm. Right. And so like for like as we get ready to release the newest iteration of our app, it's those are the things that I'm focused on. Like how can I get them to have all those little experiences so that way they're set up for success and they feel successful. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like, you know, for us, that's what our goal is is like how can we get as many students interested and excited about this? Mm -hmm. Not just how can we get the students that are really bright, really motivated and really interested, how can we continue to feed those students? Because those Mm -hmm. students are going to be fine they're already such prolific learners. It's really everyone else that I think that we need to kind of bring into the fold. Mm -hmm. And, you know, those students that are super advanced, they get so much out of teaching other kids. Mm -hmm. I think, like, for our students that have been with us for two or three years, the best thing for them is trying to have empathy for someone that's just starting and trying to explain the concepts from their own perspective. That helps
0: them learn even more.
2: Exactly, Mm -hmm. yeah. It gets them to a deeper level of learning, and then they also get to understand that, like, they didn't just arrive here, you know, that they also started at that point and that this was a difficult path and that it's going to continue to be difficult. Mm-hmm. Because, like, you know, when you want to make something that's really cool, like, the game, some of the games that, are, that our students want to make are really ambitious. Some of the apps are really ambitious. Mm-hmm. And generally speaking, the, the ones that have been with us for a couple of years, they understand that if they want to pursue that, that it's going to be a lot of work. Mm-hmm. That it's going to take over two weeks or over 50 yeah. hours for them to do something. And it's crazy to see students as young as third and fourth grade have that kind of commitment. We have a student that made a game from third to fifth grade that finished it in fifth grade. And it's an amazing game. It's called Tank Bot. There's, like, 22 (laughs) levels. There's a whole tutorial that you can, like, do before you play the game. And, like, it blows my mind. I don't think I've ever made a project that's that impressive or exciting. (laughs) And so uh, I think for me that's definitely the most exciting part is to see, like, what they end up doing with this Mm. and kind of, like, where they go from, like, Starting to where they end up being in three months, six months, and how, yeah. like how they think mm-hmm. about ideas and how they start breaking them down mm-hmm. differently.
1: What would you say is the most difficult part about your job? Because you mentioned the highlights. So what? What's the most like maybe a hurdle you went through? Sure. Uh, so case?
2: we're a bootstrap startup, and so that means that uh, we've supported ourselves through uh, actually generating revenue for the last three years. And as someone that's just kind of like starting up a company, that, that, that's very difficult. Mm. Uh, that's been something that's been a consistent hurdle for us. And like the only way that we got through our first year was thanks to, you know, thanks to family and thanks to Airbnb because we were, we just got Airbnb. really good at doing sheets and Airbnb being our master bedroom. And that totally paid our <laughs> rent for the entire first year that we did our business. Uh, but after that, it was really, like, you know, figuring out how can we deliver value right away? Who can we deliver that value to? And how much is a fair price to charge for that? And so, uh, in the first, we realized that schools have at least year long, uh, decision making cycles. And so those sales were mm-hmm. never going to happen fast. Yeah. But we realized that as we started working at wood schools and with kids more and more, there was a ton of demand for computer science and STEM education for kids. And so more and more parents kept asking, are you guys going to do a summer camp? Are you guys going to do after school? How can my kid keep doing this? They need help to learn this. Mm -hmm. And so our parents literally told us that they would pay for it. And so we made the program. It was kind of like the opposite of that whole, like, you know, if you build it, they will come. There were already people that were asking for this kind of program. And so we built out summer programs. We built out after school programs. And as they got enrolled, we were able to use that revenue not only to make rent, but to, you know, continue to invest into our curriculum mm-hmm. and into our application mm-hmm. to kind of actually develop something that supports students at, mm-hmm. at any level. And so that's really what the last like two years has, has been for us. Wow, that's
1: awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so the last question I have for you, is there anything that you want to leave our listeners with? Oh, some advice.
2: Absolutely. Um, I would say that if you are going into college to check out your entrepreneurship center, Uh, There are a bunch of grants for anyone that's entering community college or a university to pursue a business, and the government literally gives you money to talk to customers and to figure it out. I would highly recommend that. I wish I had known about that when when I started college. If anyone is a parent in in Santa Cruz with a third to 10th grader, you can learn about our summer code camps. They'll be taking place at Brook Knoll, and you can learn more at codenaturallyacademy.com.
1: Great well, thank you again, Suk, for being our guest and thank you to all of our KSQD Squid listeners who are tuning in today to hear Suk's story as a CEO of Co Naturally. If you have any questions or would like to be on the show, send us an email at what to be at ksqd.org. If you enjoyed our show, please join us again at 90.7fM K Squid Santa Cruz at 7 pm on Sundays or stream online at ksqd.org. Thank you for listening.